0: What was the name of his band before the news? Because I heard him talking about he was on Mark Marin's show once and he kept saying it's like two syllables. Was it something like it was Clover? Yes, and he kept saying it, I was like, That sounds so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you mean in Clover. I'm like, nobody nobody has ever I mean, you knew it, so I guess people do. I'm sorry. That's rude of me to say. I nobody haven't heard cares. any
1: Clover songs. I'm not that
0: huge of a fan. How about how he's uh, at least once, maybe twice, has been a helicopter pilot in a movie? Probably just once. I at guess. least once. Have you seen his penis? Have I seen it? No. Um, is it in shortcuts? It is. Is it actively in shortcuts? It's a though? wide shot. Hey, everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Popcast, the show where we try to make sense of the present <laughs> by living in the past i think or, or we fight i almost said but when we where we fight, we fight, where, we fight. where we just fight we shape fight well where we fight syria as things are going at Ooh. the time of this recording yeah. um yeah my name was if we've been struck down uh tim blevins and i'm bob canning
1: and that's how we're going to start the show
0: I guess. It's not very impactful to try to be contemporary because by the time this airs, it's in the past anyways, which is good for a nostalgia show, but not good for an introduction if this is someone's first time uh, into the show. Sorry about that. Sorry. We can
1: do it again, Tim.
0: We have no, that I think we've done it enough. Okay. I mean, we've done how many episodes? I, I should be on top of this. Should be pretty no, good you, for this.
1: You don't have your script. Usually you have it written down.
0: Um, You know, I don't have this written down. But I can tell you, I think, I think it's episode 14. I know it's uh, airing the week after the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode, and I know that would mean that technically, while listening to this, we would have seen the new series, at least the first episode by now. We haven't. So I guess we could leave some dead air and insert something later, or we could just assume that neither one of us watched it, because we're busy. We're busy people.
1: Yeah, it's not on our radar or anything.
0: Not something I would want to talk about. But I'll tell you what I will uh definitely listen to and, and talk about. Um start of the show, top of the show. Wiki tweaks. Yes. Our weekly for a few weeks now segment where we uh we look back on some uh some things we may have said in the prior episode and uh kind of fact checked or double back or what is the phrasing of this segment?
1: Um <clears throat> tweak the information perhaps uh yeah we're just going to correct or verify uh things that we might have left hanging in previous episodes that's fair
0: that's a, that's great okay that's, that's good so uh do you have anything well again last week was the mystery science theater 3000 episode
1: and in that episode i can't remember exactly how we got on the topic but we talked about our parents and their pop culture and what they liked and if they were into things as much as we kind of got into things. And I had mentioned that I had remembered my mother had told me that she, I knew she liked the Beatles growing up and she had That's told a, yeah, me. Yeah, it's a very
0: controversial statement to make. I it like is. the Beatles.
1: It is. And she had told me though that when the Beatles had the interview where they said that they were bigger than Jesus, she was part of the contingent that took out all their Beatles albums and tossed them away and took them to the, the churches and had them burned and, and whatever else they did to destroy those Beatles albums. And I've spoken to my mother to get more information about that. And it is false, Tim. It is all false. Oh No, I don't know if, if I misheard her. I don't know if she told me this to make some other point. Because I have a pretty strong memory that it was said to me. Um, but apparently, my mother didn't even own Beatles albums. My mother was an Elvis fan.
0: It's kind of a, a little bit of a, of a reminder or a cautionary, you know, mention that um, you know we, we this is a show based on nostalgia, to show based on remembering our childhood, and we have no way of knowing. Well, we do have ways, as we're finding out when you double check with people. But you know, some of this might be unreliable memory. Some of right. these things. And I guess I can feel that sometimes it's it's odd if, if I'm talking about something and, and I'm going to be vague here, but if there's a cartoon or something that I'm I'm speaking about, my mind might reshape it as being a bigger thing than it was for me or, or 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 airing more often or just being a bigger presence maybe. Because honestly, when I look at the amount of time in one's life and in a month, in a day, in a week or whatever, I, I don't know if I could have been the biggest fan in the world of all these things that I remember that way. So I'm sure there are... You know, generalizations, exaggerations, or something that just come from time and come from memory, shaping around, it. and it makes it, its its unnerving. I find that kind of really unnerving.
1: Yeah, and it's—it's it's strange because I'm—I'm kind of living with it now, and I can see it happening. I can see how it happens because um, I have my two girls, and they're at an age where they get into things for months at a time, and when I say get into it, I mean it's all they do. It's all they'll listen to, it's all they'll watch, it's all they'll talk about, they'll draw pictures, they'll write stories, and in two, three, four months at, at most, uh, they're on to something else. And so I can see how in three, four, ten years from now, they might have a strong memory of one of those things over the other, and might build it up much bigger than, than this three month period of fandom that they had it as, and, and I can sort of see see where it all happens
0: well thank you that it was good to research and happy to know that religion did not drive your mom to uh throw a rubber soul on the fire uh for me uh, in regards to last week's episode the mystery science theater 3000 episode my wiki tweak. um well it's more of i think of of maybe an explanation um okay on the offshoot chance that uh 19 years ago i guess um not that i think they're listening but if any Former personal friends of uh Joel Hodginson happened to catch the episode last week. Um if you had a friendship and it fell apart because roughly twenty years ago you suddenly um suddenly couldn't get in touch with Joel Hodginson, the Mystery Science Theater host. If you couldn't you know, if uh if you went to call him and you found that his phone number was um disconnected, I think I I think I know why. What happened? Bob Well I I think I think you and I could very well have been responsible uh, for Joel Hodginson, an idol of ours from our youth, in disconnecting his telephone. I don't know if any of this is jogging your memory. When we lived together in Alston... We had friends, and we'll keep these friends nameless for, <laughs> obviously, legal reasons, uh, who worked in various aspects of what, to me, was so exotic. You know, Hollywood. They worked on Paramount lots, Warner Brothers lots. They were assistants. They they took meetings with people, whatever. And uh, one of them, one of our friends, they worked someplace, and they happened to have basically an address book. I want to call it a Rolodex to make it timely of the 90s, but I think it was an address book. Uh-huh. And... They either brought it with them or, because I can't imagine they would have <laughs> mailed it to us, but somehow this business uh, address book, this full of contacts within the business, arrived at our apartment in Alston. You and I had this That's book in our right. apartment don't remember how it got there. I don't remember if the person who had it was there with the book, but I do know it was, you know, we, I didn't open it that often. We flipped through a few times. Obviously, I think, it, well, not obviously, I assume it's alphabetical. <laughs> so there are various celebrities' names there. And we stumbled across the H's, going through the H's, and and, and, and Joel Hodgson, creator of Mr. Science Theater's name, was in there. It might have had an address too, but the phone number was in there, which was engaging, was endearing was obvious as something I'm mentioning now where it's going. And I think there was an evening where we came back to the apartment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will say drunk. I will say intoxicated. I will say probably having done what most people did at age 23, which was drink too much and be hung over the next morning. Yeah. And we did that a I lot. Missed, we but, did do that a lot. So these memories might be merging together. I'm, I'm, but loudly, as we came into the house, uh, we flipped open this book. We looked at and we looked up the H's and and we pulled from it all the uh, seven digits plus area code. Is that how phone numbers work? Of Joel Hodginson's number, and we called it. I don't remember hearing the message itself, but I do know that we in my memory hugged the phone together gathered around and bleary mouthed, bleary eyed drunkenly began gushing into it like a couple of fan folks saying we just want you to know you meant so much to us and Mr. Science Theater is the best show you got to know it's the best show and it means so much to us and probably numerous times said you mean so much to us over and over again <laughs> oh into this phone onto an answering machine that I think I think our intention was he'll answer Right. He would pick up the phone and we could just have our quick conversation of of praising Joel Hoddinson. But we got an answering machine. We did not get a call back. And this part of the story, I think, I think this happened. I seem to remember this happened. We tried to call him again within the two years that we lived in that apartment. Um, And for whatever reasons, maybe he moved or maybe he took action, but the number the number that we dialed, the number that we called, the number that we had prior in our drunken haze contacted Joe Hodgson at, that number was no longer receptive to our attempt to call him. Probably because he moved, but possibly because he was, I don't know, maybe his phone melted from the aroma of uh, magic hat number nine yeah, that came billowing yeah. through the receiver. That was probably it. Wow. I mean, thankfully, that, that's my only... St- I mean, do you remember this, I guess? I remember it only now that
1: you are speaking of it. You've, you've done Really? A to- yeah, you've done a total recall on me where you've unlocked that, that, uh, <laughs> that hidden memory. And, on- yeah, I haven't thought about that fact in all those years. And it's coming back to me. I don't remember the second call. Uh, but I definitely remember the first. Now that you're mentioning it,
0: it's my only time ever stalking someone. That is what that was, celebrity stalkerdom. That was. I mean, it's not something. At that point in my life, maybe I'd met one or two comic book authors at comic book signings, but I had never in any way thought I'll one day meet and communicate. And to this day, I don't want to meet and communicate to celebrities. It's no good. It's not. It. It's not fun. Um. Unless.
1: Unless there's like. Another reason to be around them than the fact that well, that's celebrity. what I would imagine. Yeah, um, like if because um, I've actually had some interesting experiences at like playgrounds just with my kids, and oh wow, there's so and so from that Modern Family show, or there's so and so from the whatever. Um, and so you can if
0: I try kids... not to trip over any of the vague names that just fell across my floor, but okay.
1: <laughs> but if if. If our kids start playing together, then I have a reason to go over and actually talk to them as a parent to a okay. parent. So that, that's, that's acceptable, I think. But to actually like approach someone like I did with our, our namesake uh, band leader here that we're going to talk about in today's episode, I approached Huey Lewis. I did indeed when we were in college, or maybe it was after college. Um,
0: wow, I don't remember this. And I feel like this I would have known because that would have been like me, sadly at the time approaching Steven Tyler. But it was it was a free outdoor concert on the Commons
1: where it was Boston yes, Commons? Yes. Where the Huey Lewis and the news, except for their basis, something they would do in their shows is take right in the middle, do about four or five songs, a cappella, kind of a
0: duo, uh, yeah. Which
1: which you are not a fan
0: of. A huge not a fan of, yeah.
1: So they had, just for free, they didn't have to bring their equipment or anything, they, they got up. And it was part of a, a fair or a festival or something that was going on. They're, they weren't the only band. And <clears> throat>
0: this throat> is Huey Lewis in the news. What, what year would this have been? Oh, it must have been 97,
1: 96 or 97. I think I was still in college because um, I actually went up, I you know, saw that he was signing autographs uh, behind the stage. It was outside, so it's easily approachable. Um, I went over. They had some barriers up, but I went over, and I was like, I need to speak to Huey Lewis because Huey Lewis and the News was basically the soundtrack of my life from 1984 to that very day. Um, you said
0: this to a security person? Personnel, I, and, I, I said you know. it
1: to myself deep inside my heart. Oh, okay. And uh, so I went over and yeah, I I, uh, had my backpack and I pulled out a notebook and I put my notebook out. You know, other people had like photos of him. So I'm not, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, a super fan because I didn't come with my Huey Lewis in the news photo. But yeah, I had him sign the notebook page. I tried to speak to him and it was just laughable. I actually spoke to the bassist of the band because he was... He had been there, standing there too. Nobody was getting his autograph, so and <laughs> neither did I. <laughs> so he was there, and I well, knew it him. But- so
0: many pages in a loose leaf notebook, trapper keeper.
1: But I did go over, and he. I remember he said something to the effect of, "Ah, oh, this is Huey, always oh, there for the fans." He said something to that effect. Uh,
0: so sadly, mechanical. Yeah, well, because it was like, like short of saying, "This fucker yeah, gets more than we it do." It was a
1: very odd moment. It it didn't let me down much because um, he's still Hugh Lewis was still exactly what I thought he'd be just a genial. What, nice what did you guy. say to him? Like what can you
0: say in that? Situation? I don't think
1: I said anything. I think I said thank you, and I love your music.
0: It's probably what I said. Did he seem approachable? Oh, absolutely. I know he was seated there. Yeah, no, he did totally. Did the band was- seem to be comfortable sitting next to him? Like was there was yeah. there a sense that it was here's the band or it was Hugh Lewis and the band?
1: It was, it was Huey Lewis. So afterwards, like, they all you know, came out from, from the stage, and it was just open air. Everybody was around. There was just some barriers, so you couldn't cross the barriers. And the band was hanging out there behind him, and he was going to go with them, but then saw people like, calling for him, and he came over to that group of people. I saw, that, I saw that group of people, so that's when I approached and, and put my, uh, my notepad out there and, and uh, got it signed. I figured well, I couldn't. yep yeah, Well, I figured I couldn't miss this opportunity. Um, him, him, and his band being such a huge part of of who I was growing up, and of of how people knew me and recognized me and thought of me.
0: On the basis of Huey Lewis and the On the, the news. basis
1: of Huey Lewis and the News, to this day, I get emails and notifications when it's Oh, Huey's coming to town, or Hey, have, oh,
0: okay. so he's that for you? He's, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think what on the show maybe I've talked about that's been as big to me. Like, this is a big deal for you. I don't know if listeners understand um, in terms of what we've talked about in the past. We don't talk about specific bands that often. We did the singles episode. But Huey Lewis, yeah, that – I get what people are saying that's you. Why, why do you get
1: it? Because I owned every album and, and played it all the time and, and just immersed myself in Huey Lewis – uh, even yeah. even in
0: college At least at the start of college I mean, again, and we've said this in other episodes You are someone, you're one of my friends who I feel like Is very attuned to music When we met freshman year in college This would have been 1993 Both of us coming into this dorm room With a little, probably, at least for me It was a little wooden slap box with maybe 10 CDs what I knew you for, what I knew you as having was a Harry Connick Jr. album mm-hmm. and Huey Lewis albums, yeah. Huey Lewis and the mm-hmm. News albums that you had. I, I think you had them on CD. Maybe they were cassettes, but I think they were CD. They were CDs. And I think of you with him because outside of The Power of Love and Back in Time, because those are ingrained within the movie Back to the Future, by 1993... I didn't know anybody who was listening to Huey Lewis in the news, who was carrying Huey Lewis in the news to an area because I, and and once we start talking, maybe you can explain this more to me because they are, they are the epitome of aspects of of the 1980s. I didn't know anyone who came into the nineties with them. Really? I mean, you know, I listened to them probably for that one album in the nineties, but I had kind of dropped listening to them. I didn't hear them. I didn't hear them on the radio and they were big, you know, they were a big band, um, so for you to show up with your Huey Lewis albums, it struck me because at that brief moment in time, there was an irony to me of liking Huey Lewis or a bit of a, what do you call it when it's kind of got a, a bit of a camp value sure, because of how changing times with music, but for you, you were sincerely a fan of this music? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't put a question mark there. The question was I just want to make sure you were a fan of the music. I'm
1: still a fan of the music. I absolutely yeah. love Huey Lewis in the news. I love their albums. I love their songs. There's some albums I, I don't like as much. Um mm-hmm. and you know, they they certainly haven't uh they 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 are who they are, you know. They didn't try and, and That might be a song of theirs. That that actually probably is um and I just I don't know I just and it could be because I had such a good time listening to them growing up that it it wasn't something that I needed to to ever leave behind it didn't it didn't have any bad memories there wasn't a reason uh the music if you hear it over and over and over again I can understand
0: it not you know being the thing you want to turn to but popular music you hear over and over again so that you know that yeah that I, I think that happens when and this was something you had mentioned before we started recording that we talked about so when did you first i'm just curious for you when did you first hear Huey lewis in the news what, what was the first song or, or like you were saying we would we discuss our first memories? yeah what is your first memory i'm dying to know
1: well i think my first memory um was off of sports which was their third album And seeing the uh, Heart of Rock and Roll music video on MTV, I have this very strong memory of the black and white video, and at the end, his red heart kind of beating through his t-shirt. And for a kid, that was what, like 83? I was like eight or nine. That's that's kind of an interesting thing to see. I don't, you know,
0: was that the first time you heard the song in the video?
1: It was probably the first time I heard the song. I might've heard it before that, but that was the first time I really remember hearing it and seeing that video. Um, and then it just sort of grew from there. I like, like i try to think about how to describe Huey Lewis and the news music. And I always go like, I see it described as like blues rock, Mm
0: -hmm. but I don't,
1: I don't hear blues rock. Um, and I, when I think of pop, I think more of Madonna. And I don't hear Madonna in sports. Um, I've seen <laughs> it described it as pub rock, but I don't think it's really pub rock.
0: Well, that's the, yeah. No, it is odd uh, that of the of music that we'll ever talk about if they're undescribable. I, <laughs> I guess in listening to them, that's why I want to ask you. I mean, are they, are they a nostalgia act? Like I know they had that album of covers. Yeah. You know, or are they an old time rock act or? Was the music they were producing and the albums we heard, was that like an act of nostalgia, like doo-wop and old-time American 50s rock? Or or was that the actual sound and we lived through it when it was new? I feel like there's two different sounds for Huey Lewis that I know. I mean, the first thing I ever heard of his was probably Power of Love from Back to the Future. Yeah. And that's so ingrained in that movie. And that's a movie of the 80s that travels back to the fifty, But the sound in that movie with the horns and, and, and everything that does sound like 80s pop music to me. I mean that's that's nothing but that, which is fine. But but to, to trace forward and back in their albums, you get songs where they're doing like a doo-wop kind of background vocal thing. You have um I'm trying to think of some of the songs. Whole lot of love I think is one of the songs.
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of their songs have doo-wop just underlying everything, just their their choruses and some some, you know, it, it's it's just sort of constantly there the doo-wop and the stuff. I think I think they're just such an amalgam of so much of that stuff that the, the nostalgia, the doo wop, just the '50s kind of classic rock and roll. Um, and it's what's interesting is, and we we talked a little bit about this offline be, before uh, before we got going here. Um, We're gonna
0: start recording everything when we
1: talk. <laughs> we, uh, I'm talking days ago. Um, the, before he was in Huey Lewis and the News, and this group of guys formed Huey Lewis and the News. Uh, they were in bands that were more like jazz fusion bands, jazz funk right. bands, mm-hmm. which at times you can even hear that in their songs, especially later when I think they kind of go back to that sound. Um, but, we'll, we'll but what was
0: their sound? I, I don't know. guess that's what's driving me nuts. The cause- early
1: stuff is described as new wave. <laughs> and I would never think of Huey Lewis in the news as new wave.
0: I'll tell people if you want to think if you listen in the news as new wave, do what Bob and I did. For this episode just so the listeners know what we endured, did, enjoyed went through. Um <laughs> we you under your direction, we listened to kind of paraded through. It took me 2 days to do this. I'm sorry I can do it all in one. We listened to five albums, six albums? Uh six albums. Six albums from the very first self titled album through the nineteen ninety what ninety one album Hard at Play. We listened to the full album of each album, which is an accomplishment. That's now on my resume. But that first album awesome. so the jump that's not the title, the first album. It's not <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the first album. I don't really I didn't really know that album. Um it is just called Huey Lewis in the News, correct?
1: Yes. Uh, in the news. It came out in 1980.
0: That album does kind of sound like the first half of the eighties is when you say new wave, I would agree. I mean, it, yeah. do you know, it sounded a lot like uh Rick Springfield. It sounded a lot, kind of like the outfield, uh, it sounded a lot like a mullet that had a t-shirt with the sleeves cut off. I mean, it, it was, that album is not distinguishable from song to song. Like it's no. not, I like it. And if I'm going to like the first track, I have to like all the tracks. Because they all, to me, sounded exactly the same. They
1: really did. They they all had the same sort of sharp guitar, you know, angular guitar riffs. Um, they had the synthesizer keyboards
0: going kind That's of... That's what makes them New Wave, probably. Probably. That's a great sound, but...
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, like every song had the same sort of rhythm to it. And, and every song was about love in some way. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this... Album and what I thought when I was listening to it, and I probably hadn't listened to the whole thing in quite some time, is that it's not an album you listen to straight through. You just pull a song out and listen to it. It's great if a song comes up in in, in shuffle or something because the the songs mm-hmm. are great. I love these songs. They're they're really fun and fresh and and
0: uh, <laughs> are they dope and rad? Totally rad.
1: But this is this is going to get to a point that I, I, I'll probably will try and make a little later. Um, Fun and fresh, dope and rad. That's that's who I kind of felt like I was. I was never a rebel. I was, you know, I was the kid version, the non musical version of Huey Lewis <laughs> growing up. And that's probably why I don't know if I, I liked them because I felt like that's who I was or if I became that because I liked Huey Lewis and the News so much. But I was just, He's not a rebel, right? No, they're not they're not. I mean They're not tough guys no. Look are the, they? I'm looking at the cover right now of their debut album, and it is <laughs> yeah, it
0: what's that? No, I would love to hear your description. I, I have a mental image. They
1: are just having fun. They're a, a party band.
0: That fun it's fun to me. No backdrop. We
1: got a drummer standing up, Tim. He's standing up and drumming. We've got the keyboardist jumping with his legs spread out. Uh while well playing the keys. Both guitarists have their legs bent as they're ripping into their chords. The bassist is jumping, and Huey Lewis has the has the, the microphone stand bent down to the floor as he comes down to one knee and is singing his heart out. They're just, but is that
0: how you would have pictured the band? I mean, when you think of Huey Lewis, do you think of that album? Cover? Uh
1: I don't think of this album when I think
0: of Huey Lewis, but I think of this picture when I think of okay. Huey Lewis and the news. It makes, what you're saying does make sense, because I have to say, the, I guess, would you say Sports is their most famous album, the third album? Absolutely, yeah, Sports. Yeah, that album, because they're they're in, I guess, a sports bar? Is that why it's called Sports? I'm not even sure. That could be why they're they're
1: calling it. Uh, Yeah, they're in a bar. They've got a football game on the the, uh, TV. They're a band, they're from San Francisco, and they're huge uh, football fans, they're 49er fans. Um, they actually, All of that means
0: a lot to I mean, me I'm
1: sure it does I mean, You'll love this fact Three or four of the members of the 49ers Including Joe Montana and Jerry Rice Sang backup on uh, Small World On a couple of the songs on Small World Which is their Are They also sang backup on yeah. Hip to be Square Yeah, uh, and- did they? On 4 don't or 2? I, or I that's thought what so I i thinking of It's
0: one or the I other, thought Or both The last song inside 1 And the first song inside 2 I believe just in the liner notes that I looked at, because those were two of the albums I had. I guess what I would, to go back a minute to the cover, I guess I'm wondering what, and maybe you're describing it to me, but do you think they knew that they weren't tough guys for those first couple albums? Because that sports cover, to look at it, to pick it up, like, I don't know who was buying it on the basis of a cover, but, <laughs> you know, to grab that album in the eighties. I mean, I don't know if it's trying to do Bruce Springsteen, kind of like Hugh Lewis, if he's Bruce Springsteen, I don't know if they're like the, the American Rolling Stones. I mean, I guess he's supposed to be, you know, he's got his jacket off over his shoulder there at the bar. He, I guess is supposed to kind of be just a working guy. either yeah. Coming home or going out, but the rest of the band, and maybe this is the sad output of any time. It's so-and-so and the somethings, um, the band doesn't seem to have an identity, either in sound or appearance. Like on that cover, it's like a high school performance of Greece. Yeah. I mean, the,
1: the band is very bland uh, visually. <laughs> they are
0: bland. I'm, I'm talking visually. Right. Musically, I think mm-hmm. they're, they're themselves. Um, but what is that then? What is this? That's what I guess I'm getting at with these albums. What is the self of the news? Putting Huey Lewis aside for a minute because we can figure him out probably. What is this band? I think, like you were saying before, I think it's this amalgam of of musical
1: tastes from all of these guys in the bands that they were in before, um, which were called Clover and Soundhole. Mm. <laughs>
0: yes, those are both true.
1: They were um, in preparation for this. I went back and I listened to some of their stuff. I haven't listened to that in a while um, on YouTube. And they, too, were an amalgamation of jazz, funk, country, um, pop. And it was all there. Well, until you got the
0: pop, those are all things I do not like. Understood.
1: Um, but I think also, well, well, not audible in those performances that I saw, I'm sure they were fans at the time of doo-wop and classic, you know, 50s rock and roll, um, leather jackets mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, you've got... Um, and and what happened? I, they they're pretty accomplished musicians. I, I I think you can hear it as especially as you progress through these albums, um, their production and they're playing and and just the the songs become tighter and, and cleaner. Um, part of the band, I don't know if it was Olive Clover and it wasn't Huey Lewis, but the band themselves uh, were a backing band for Elvis Costello in the recordings. That's a new wave. of yeah of of his first album.
0: Well, I think so. And what you're saying, they are very talented musicians. And maybe this is why there's the Huey Lewis and are they are they the musicians that did the hits? I mean, yes, they played on them, but is that the music they wanted to be doing? Because this first album, it's yeah, it's very repetitive, poppy. I I don't mind it, but but I I do like it. Uh, Picture this, their second album. It has it has like my favorite hit of theirs. It has "Do You Believe in Love," which is that's traditional Huey Lewis ballad. It's a love song that's not really about anything but a word. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's 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 there's there's no risk in, in how Huey Lewis loves people, which is fine. I mean, that's very appealing to someone in the fifth and sixth grade. And yep. It's very appealing <laughs> to the concept of pop music. Um, so th- I I like that, but th- that album is not very memorable to me. The picture this and I just listened to it yesterday, but by the time we get to sports, like. I don't know, the first side of sports, are those all radio hits?
1: Uh, Yes. The Heart of Rock and Roll, Heart and Soul, Bad is Bad, I Want a New Drug. And I think, does Walking on a, th- yeah, walking on a Thin Line start side two? I'm
0: looking at my CDs, so I don't have the sides. Yeah, no, that is a start to start the side two. I, I mean, that's side one. That's And maybe this happened a lot in the 80s if I, I really think about it, but that's a pretty impressive feat if you go to buy an album. And if you're buying it on cassette or record, before you even flip it, you have all the hits. I mean, yeah. Those are solid songs. Honestly, uh, I Want a New Drug is, is the best rep- representation of the band, I think. I mean, it has a lot of... It has horn solos. Everyone gets kind of a chance to play. And there is something to that song that I think is very unique. Um Heart and Soul, which I think is the best song on the first side, I feel like that's kind of their sound. You know, I feel like they're not trying to be someone else in that song. Okay. And I'm not sure why, because that song doesn't actually spotlight other instruments, really. So maybe it's more... There's something about that song that feels very 80s in a way that I like, versus kind of harder rock and roll, which is I Can Do Without. That's kind of like sliding through your house when your parents are out with just a button-down <laughs> shirt kind of song. Yeah. Um, Bad is Bad. No, so is the song. So I don't care for that. Yeah, it's fine. Mean. But that's Heart that's and soul and, I mean. soul and I Want a New Drug. Yeah. I mean, do you, like, do you like the first side of sports? I do like the first side of sports, um, but Bad is Bad is probably my least
1: favorite. Bad is Bad is actually they have, um, they played that in Clover. That's that's an older song of theirs that they would play mm-hmm. a lot. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, uh, the version they do with Clover, it's faster.
0: Uh, well, maybe that. Would say, I, still, I, just, yeah, I, don't, I still don't
1: like it. It's, I don't like that song. Um, but it's more tough guy
0: posturing.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. But but it's also humorous. You know, it's lighthearted as well. You know, it's. it's that? Yeah. I mean, they're talking about bad tasting chili, the baddest in the land. <laughs> well, yeah, because sometimes bad is actually bad. It's 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 not. It, it has that sound oh. of being a tough guy,
0: but it's. That's silly song. That's like that's like a nerd joke in a good sense. I, nerd yeah. culture joke. That's similar to to hip to be square, a track in a later right. album. I didn't get that with bad as bad, but if that's what you're saying, that's endearing, I guess. Yeah. I. But I just it always plus the effing harmonica, and that is so difficult <laughs> to hear i you know i I grew up with a wonderful grandfather, we called him my Papa, who played harmonica, and he was so good and he played it in a in a band and he played it with my grandmother and I really enjoyed it and you know i i, I inherited two of his harmonicas when he passed away, wow. which I was very fortunate for never learned to play, him, thought I really liked him i have and I do like the memories of him playing, but I really hate it when harmonica shows up in a pop song, yeah. All
1: the pop songs, like there's not one harmonica bit in these six albums that we just listened to that that you weren't that didn't cause you to tap your feet and
0: really get into the track. Maybe I, you know, what it's they're sporadic, they're sporadic in the album, so when they come up, I know that that's Huey Lewis playing, or I assume that maybe I'm wrong.
1: No, that's Huey Lewis, he's the one with the harmonica. It's like.
0: He tells us that. I believe yeah, in the song. I think he tells us that in uh, something in, case in the next you forgot, album. Because he's been away for so long, he is the one
1: yeah. with the harmonica.
0: That's probably why I don't like it. Like that's you already have your identifying trait. You're the singer. Your name's in the band title. You've got a voice that services these songs. There's nothing risky you have to do with your voice. Just put it down and let let, let your band play something, I feel like the harmonica is so screeching and 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 overpowering and and I just I, I do find it obnoxious. Did you like the harmonica as a kid and do you like it now? Uh yeah, I mean I don't mind it at all. Um I
1: mean, there are bad harmonica parts, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't mind the harmonica. In, in the Huey
0: it, Lewis songs it, or just in the world? It,
1: just in the world. Um, and I'm sure in some of these Huey Lewis songs, I'm sure I could find the, the ones I don't care for. Uh, and Bad is Bad is one of those that just has never done it for me. That's a lot of harmonica. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a lot of harmonica. But, but, uh, but as, as a whole, I don't uh, shy away from harmonica bands. I like Blues Traveler. Mm-hmm. And those are that's it. Those are the two harmonica bands I know.
0: Um if you're in a harmonica band and you like the show, please email <laughs> us at um shrieking bleeding, <laughs> at No. Did you want to play harmonica as a kid? No, I had no idea. Did interest. you pretend to play harmonica as a kid? I
1: absolutely did. I would pretend to play harmonica every yeah. every almost every time. I remember one time. My parents, my, not my parents, because my, my uh, mom and dad were divorced, but we were in a car uh, going on a day trip, and my mom was driving, and my aunt was in the passenger seat in the front, and I was in the back seat, and we were listening to Huey Luce in the news, and I was
0: wailing. I was air harmonica
1: <laughs> that whole back seat apart.
0: This, this was your air, well, air harmonica band, wasn't it? This yeah. is what you performed in front of mirrors for yourself? <laughs> I didn't have to look at myself. I knew what I was doing. So what was the attraction? You said earlier, like you were kind of the Huey Lewis, I guess. What well, is yeah, that attraction? I mean, what what brought you to that? I I I enjoy the songs, I
1: enjoy the band, and like you're saying, there's no risk to it. There's it's not <laughs> edgy music to, at all. It's about loving rock and roll. It's about, like you say, almost all their songs are about love in some respect. Or they're about being in a band. Um and I, that's
0: true. They're telling you the two things you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's like, I, yeah, I just was thinking about this uh, as we were listening to these. And the whole, you know, uh, aspect of this podcast is not just the nostalgia, but also how it defined us and, and, and how we relate to it then and now. And mm-hmm. I just, and like I said, I don't know if it's because I like the band or I was this way. And so I was drawn to the band. But I wasn't um, – I wasn't uh, – I was a shy kid. I wasn't a troublemaker. And if I was a troublemaker in my mom's eyes, it was the kind of troublemaking that really wasn't very harmful. You know, like <laughs> like I would draw pictures on the church bulletin in church. So my – you know, my mom's – Sinner. Exactly. My mom's friends could see me drawing, you know – it could have been a dirty picture maybe, but probably not. Um, and so, you know, my mom's friends see that and get all snooty about it. And so in my mom's eyes, I'm this troublemaker, but ultimately, that's not trouble. That was my mom's view of trouble. Um, and you know, maybe as I got older, I did get into a little little trouble here and there, but still nothing, nothing huge. Nothing to uh, the extent of other people my age. Um, I wasn't stealing. I wasn't taking the car out without asking i wasn't drinking i wasn't going to the to the uh the old hangout Uh, where did they go i'm trying to think the gravel pit (laughs) the kids my age would go to the actual gravel pit or the name of a restaurant that's this is what i heard i actually had never been i don't think to this day i've ever been to the gravel pit like gravel pit. but the, the bunch of kids knew where to go where there was a pit full of gravel and that's where they would go and drink and do whatever. I never did that. And Huey
0: Lewis would never did do that. Did you want to? Was there a... <laughs>
1: no. I, I really didn't I have any interest in
0: I don't think he would. Now, when... Were you... Oh, like, I guess now you're saying this, and maybe you've already said this. As a kid was your thought that Huey Lewis is safe or was there something to the, like rock and roll is never, never seems like something that even though there are safe rock and roll acts, obviously. And I think I gravitated to those for a while too, growing up, we talked about that once where I was more Pearl jam than Nirvana cause Pearl jam was safer. But was your impression of this as rock and roll, that it's safe that Huey Lewis is a decent guy and I'm decent, or did this still seem kind of like like something like the heart of rock and roll? That's that's not acting like a safe song even though it is i mean that's that's getting at something i mean rock and roll still meant something as a term
1: yeah i don't think i i thought i know in fact i know i didn't think of it that way i wasn't that aware of it <clears throat> at the time mm-hmm. um i just generally enjoyed the music um looking at you were talking about the first half of of sports and i get to the second half walking on a thin line i distinctly remember having this tape in my walkman um and I would go out on my bike and I would ride for miles and miles and miles. And where I lived, you could kind of get out of the city and just ride along farm, uh farmlands and you'd just be going straight for a long time. And I would this song would come on and it would just excite me and drive me to just pedal that bike like nobody's business. And in my head, as we've talked about before, I'm suddenly in a film or a TV show and this is the soundtrack. And as the drum was hitting and coming back in from the chorus, um, I was rounding the bend, like, trying to finish the race. It's like, I don't know, this music just was always in my life. And, and it just... It was exciting music to me, even though as we look at the greater picture of music in this world, it might not be all that exciting to to listen to. It's, it's straightforward, good... I've, I've had somebody... To describe it
0: as good time rock and roll oh that's that makes sense I, it's interesting the side two of sports the album we're talking about right now that song walking on a thin line that also was that was probably my favorite song in this album i i i remember having this on cassette i don't know if i think i had a copy of it and then eventually i got the cassette so side one i knew those were all hits but side two of sports of all of huey lewis's work that's probably what I listen to the most, Walking on a Thin Line, If This Is It, and whatever else is on the album.
1: You crack me um,
0: up. And yeah, Walking on a the th- that's there, I like that song. I just don't like the last song. What's the fucking
1: last Honky song? Honky Tonk Blues. Uh,
0: yeah, I could do without that. And that's, but the a, rest cover. Is, that's a cover is, is, of a Hank Williams song. Yeah, they still put it on there, though. But <laughs> no. with, with this, I like... I don't know, Walking on a Thin Line, I, I, your story kind of describes I mean, that that to me is... Huey Lewis being sincere. There's no posturing. It's, yeah, and not as a knock. This, I think, is what I related to. It's average guy worries. You know, it's a very believable song about just worrying about your place in the world. Yeah, And I like that a lot. And that's why, that's probably what spoke to me outside of Power of Love, which was this ballad from a movie, Power Ballad that spoke to me. Do you think with sports, because sports was a big album, do you think that the people who bought it for side one for the hits. Do you think they were expecting this side like side two to be, cause it, it's too drastically different as a concept. The, the, the album is divided. Well, side two is a very different side than side one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think if this is it is could have been on side one. I think that's a side one type of song from Huey Lewis and the news. Um, but yeah, the other's, do have a different kind of point of view, a different sound. I think "You Crack Me Up" is more of a holdover from their first album, first and second. It's got it is yeah. That's very. It's got a more angular edge to it. Um, it's probably my favorite song. One of my favorite songs of theirs. It's top five. Uh, oh really? Yeah. Oh. You Crack- and it's again, it's a song about nothing. It's a song about uh, mm. basically singing about a person that he knows who's trying to be something she's not. Which, you know, now that we're talking about it this way, um, makes sense coming from Huey Lewis and the News because they never try to be something they're not. They're just, they're who they are. And who they are, we still haven't really defined, but we know that that's who they are. They
0: are who they yeah. are. I would say they're who they are from side two of this album on, is what I feel like. And maybe it's because it's what I'm more album? familiar with. Like, including the next album very much the next album actually yeah, i think, I, uh, I
1: think the next album might have even sold more than sports i think sports uh, in retrospect is still their their most famous but i think 4 <laughs> might have been the bigger sales album
0: it was a big album i mean it would it came out in 86 right 1986 uh yes so it would have been the year after back to the future um So Power of Love and and Back in Time, both songs from Back to the Future. I feel like those were the songs, again, I knew. So they were huge off of that. So, yeah, I bet there was a lot of, actually, anticipation of this album. Do you like the album, Four? I do like the album, Four. I don't like it
1: wholly as much as I like Mm -hmm. the first three albums prior to this. Um, There are some songs in here I absolutely love. There are some songs in here I I always skip. Um, But, yeah, I do like the album. Um, I feel like... What do you what
0: do you skip? What are some of the songs you <clears throat> skip on this album?
1: Um, I skip... I skip Forest for the Trees. Yeah. <laughs> and I skip Simple as That at the end, the last song. Those are the two levels. That's that
0: a big-sounding song. I was surprised by that song. That's a very large, orchestrated song. Yeah,
1: and I think with this album, I think what they did... I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not uh, a Huey Lewis and the News historian much to the chagrin <laughs> of a lot of people that know me
0: that assume that I am. Well, yeah, I was going to say we're doing the episode Y then, but okay.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, I, I don't know, I can't get into their heads, but I get the feeling that after these first three albums and the success of Power of Love, um, they were able to, like you were saying before with like the, the first album especially, it's like, are these the songs that they want to be playing or were they maybe just kind of in that moment? Um, I feel like with four, they've kind of hit their stride of what their their, their actual real sound is, mm-hmm. um, which I guess, again, talk about all the ways to describe the band. At this point, I kind of hear them as adult contemporary, whatever that is.
0: Well, now you do, but do you think when 4 came out, it was adult contemporary? I, I mean, this was pop music. Was this also rock music in the I 80s? I don't know
1: if this would be considered rock music, 4. I think you could call sports rock music. I think sports and everything before that you could still call rock. I don't know if you could call 4 rock.
0: Um, so do you think fans turned on this album? Do you think fans were not as big for this no, album? No, I think like they were. Like fans had been there. I still think sports. they were. I
1: think they were because... Um, fans were aging and growing and evolving along with the band. Three
0: years. I mean, that's not. A it
1: is for huge for, for, expanse I mean, of time from, right? from twelve to fifteen.
0: Yeah, Talking it's not adult, a, not adult contemporary. I'm
1: not adult contemporary, but fifteen The progression seemed to make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in my eyes, it was sort of more grown up too. Like uh, stuck with you is this you know the song about a relationship and he's happy to be stuck with her maybe i don't really
0: love you anymore but we can we can make this work i suppose it, that's huey lewis's love song <laughs> yeah. honestly that kind of where it's like eh, but it's nice and, you know <laughs> also that video i feel like that's a pretty funny video maybe that's where he got all of his acting roles from like that's it could be. that's a goofy well and that's the other setup. thing I uh, think. I like that. you were
1: talking about the band and and taking themselves seriously i don't think they ever took themselves seriously if you look at their music videos from date one they're they're all pretty light-hearted um <laughs> you know heads you know buried in the sand up to their heads singing their doo-wop bopping their heads back and forth in uh hilarious is it. um i want a new drug you know running trying to get to the, the you know it's all silly stuff and then on this one um Doing it all for my
0: baby. I've never seen the video for that. I didn't. There's a video. Obviously, there's. I never saw the video for "I Want a New Drug."
1: Oh no, that is you. No, you, no you, you'll you'll it. watch it after this because that's the epitome. <laughs> you'll <laughs> not enjoy that. <laughs> no, no, Tim no. Clemens. It's it's exactly everything you you've described as Huey Lewis with the cut off sleeves and the and the, the shades. You know, huh? uh, it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Um, and th- is there a moment? Is there a moment in the video where he looks in the camera and although <laughs> his shades are on. He pulls them slightly down the nose to look Probably at you. Probably is. Then he looks back at something. Probably is. Then he looks back at you he kind of shrugs. Probably is. So, where were we, I'm sorry. No, I, I derailed No, we were talking about
1: this. just their music videos and how they're fun. Doing it all for my baby. It was a pretty big uh, music video. They played it a lot. It was a, a long one uh, that they would sometimes cut down, obviously. But it was when they were kind of monsters. Uh, old... Uh, what is it? Universal Monsters, Frankenstein,
0: Dracula. Wow, I have not seen that video oh. either. Holy, I guess I will be checking <laughs> some ridiculousness out tonight. You absolutely should. Um, but you mentioned "Forest for the Trees." You mentioned that is um, "I Never Walk Alone." Is that off of this album, or is that uh, it? Is on this album as well. See, so like I, I liked as a kid. Again, I liked "Forest for the Trees." This also, just like sports, side one top heavy with mm-hmm. hits. I feel like side two was was what i always went to i mean i enjoyed songs on the first side but side two this album more than sports so maybe this does tie into maybe i am starting to understand your idea of maturing i mean this side two seemed to be saying something about becoming a man getting older you know t- through a 12 year old yeah um and there was was something to it i mean yeah, I never walk alone song. I used to really love that cuz it was this idea of, you know, oh, people are going to be with me. I've got my friends. I mean, the lyrics to write them out are simplistic and preposterous, but it it hit me as a kid it hits you and there it, it was it's an emotion got, to the, that. And the
1: music drives it too. The the music that the band is putting out there um just accentuates the idea. Yes, it's a simple idea, but there's a rousingness to that 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 melody of I'll never walk alone. It's not just a statement there's like feeling to it and there's
0: chills at least when i hear it there's there's a little bit of chills i will agree with you on that thank god so I, i think i'm understanding a little bit more why you would sincerely relate Because I think I I related to the... I don't know if I held on to it. It it, it did come back to me when I was listening to these a bit. Like, I remember 1986 very clearly for these songs. But I think it is making some sense. I mean, this... How this might shape you. At least these couple albums here.
1: And, you know, like I said before, it's like, I can't tell you... I mean, it was probably more of who I was and just the band appealed to me because that's who I was. But, you know, divorced parents... Uh, I probably, you know, I still don't think too highly of myself. I'm sure I didn't think highly of myself then. Um, There's just something about some of these messages and how, yes, they were simple, but they were positive. Um, and and I, and again, the music, for me, when it comes to music, it, it's not just the lyrics. I I really respond to how the the melodies and the sounds and the combinations and 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 the instrumentation, how that all comes together, and, and that affects me um, probably more so than how the lyrics might affect me. And that just, yeah, it was good time music. It made me feel good, and I liked it. And I really, at this age, after four, which was 86, um, I was at the age where I could anticipate new music, and I was really looking forward to their next album. And uh, their next album came out in 88, and that is Small World. And man, I was I disappointed. And I even remember, I remember hearing their first sing- single off of this, Perfect World, and I enjoy that song. And That's I enjoy not it. a bad
0: song. I, I like right? that song.
1: I like it to, to this day. Um, but what this whole album turned out to be is a return to what their sound was prior to their first Huey Lewis and the News album, a sort of a jazzier... Um, I don't want to call it jazz rock. I don't want to call it jazz fusion, but it just has,
0: <laughs> That's called rock.
1: Yeah. But it was just a jazzier uh, more. It's like this really adult sound. Really, really, uh, this album kind of the thing small world album. Yeah. This is the kind of thing I, I felt like I shouldn't be listening to this album. This album wasn't made for me. I was, you felt this at the, at the time when it came yeah. out. Yeah. Um, didn't stop me from listening to it i listened to it a lot but i could did you try to I, like I, it
0: did you like feel like I you felt had like to i like had it?
1: to like it i've had it. i'm a huge Huey lewis fan and probably by this point that was um known to everyone around me and so i feel mm-hmm. like i had to like it and i i do like the album i think i like it more now than i did then um for about four or five songs out of the ten that are on
0: here um did you pretend to like jazz for a while when this album came out were you suddenly into jazz
1: um no i didn't do that i'm trying to think because it was it was in the 90s never as
0: phony as i was in the
1: 90s i actually did get into liking jazz that's when harry connick jr showed up and i uh (laughs) it started from harry and then i would backtrack and
0: and listen to other things you get that Starbucks compilation no, I, got, I got a Starbucks compilation so this was not would you do you think your opinion is similar like was this not the band people wanted them to be yeah in? this was that was exactly that this is probably
1: the most them that the band was um, but it wasn't what we had been listening to. We weren't all like Closet Clover fans and Soundhole fans, <laughs> waiting for them to. Yeah, I like their
0: their new sound, but I just want them to get back to their their Soundhole days. Yeah, do you think there were? Do you think there were fans at this point of their career who were hoping this album would happen? Um, Obviously, not the driving force for there, sales, but there some. might have
1: been. Like I said, they were a big big uh, institution in San Francisco. Um, yeah. So I'm sure that there were locals that grew up with them in the '70s. Um, that heard this and was like, Oh, yeah, this is the, the Huey Lewis and the Johnny Cola. I remember, um, but yeah, it's huh. but it's also, yeah, some of the 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 melodies and the the songs, like, what, what like what stood out for you on this one on your most recent listen?
0: Well, I first of all, this is the first time I've ever listened to the album, okay? Like, I know one or two songs, I know the hits, so I didn't know it. Um, When the album started, like the very beginning of the album, I, I I was kind of thinking, is this like is this their Prince album? Something about this sounded like the beginning of uh probably like it's nineteen ninety nine, I think, okay. or something. There there was a Prince song that this that started, so you know I was all set to be like these hacks. What <laughs> are they just? What are they doing? Why are they doing this? And I'll tell you because I listened. You know, I listened to the whole thing. What would be side one of this album? I was very impressed by. All right, I was actually very impressed by the first half, by side one of uh, of this album. I, side one is. I, is I, I may not favorite. listen to it again. Sure. Is your favorite? Well, is your favorite? I was just side one of this album. No, I told you that I liked probably four
1: or five songs off of this album. Okay. And yeah. so I'm looking at it, and the first five songs are side one. And those are the ones that I like. They're, I also like slamming. Yeah. I,
0: I don't mind slamming at the end. Oh, <laughs> I do not. I don't like jamming. But, but the but others know, this, I can't It stand. is exactly I, – I, I, I really agree. and I think you hit on why I like this. This is the most news-sounding album. I The song Perfect World is a pretty awesome song. Actually, yeah. I, it's got... The band is really good in it. The horns aren't overpowering. They're great horns. Tell I me, like that. I remember the video for video. I was going to say like if that. you
1: saw the video because you hadn't seen all the videos. I think the song's better without
0: the video. Also, I think it means something different without the video. I was reading online. I was like, oh, I didn't... I remember it for the video. It's... It's a more optimistic song than I thought it was. I thought it was a very negative song, which is why I liked it. I thought that's a risk for Huey Lewis, but I, it sounds like it's a more... To read the lyrics and to read the the Wikipedia-like essay that I read about the lyrics, it's more optimistic. It's typical Huey Lewis yeah. optimism, which I, I, I didn't get. I do like this side. I, I was really impressed that they were trying something different. Um, to flip it over to side two... Uh. Well... I, I agree with that sound. But it's also, it follows the formula. It's, it's the same side two of the previous albums, just a lesser version. You know, it's got generic yeah. ballads. It's got, I think, is, is Walking With The Kid? Walking With that The on Kid, the I can't so, stand. I uh, world to me, I used to
1: like that song. I used mm-hmm. to sing that song. I used to kind of believe that that's how you should think of the person you were in love with. And I was, you know, oh. I was 14, 15 at the time. So world to me, I probably have, when I was listening to it, I, I probably had the most nostalgic feelings hearing that song. Mm-hmm. Um, so but it's also nice. not you ever go, a great song. When was the last time you listened oh, to it? I, prior, prior to, to this, this, it had to, it, decades,
0: honestly. So it's a, okay, it is a drop off. It's weird. I, again, I... I get why this album didn't do well, but I was so impressed by this first half of it. But yeah, that's the second half to me, I feel like and then we'll go into the next album. That's the the band to me slides off of whatever they were, starting with that side. Sure. Honestly. My least <laughs> favorite. favorite I'm gonna insert Huey Lewis into this sentence just to make it relevant. My least favorite Huey Lewis song of all time. Is on side too. And it's, give me the keys and I will drive you crazy. And I'll tell you, you can keep your keys, but you did. That song at this point of their career, that's just weird. I remember that, I remember the video for, and the video is preposterous. Oh, it's so and ridiculous. I remember as a kid, I. It's it's a horribly blue screen. I'm going to drive this car off the ledge the next time I see the video because that's what he does, kind of kind of thing. But even as a kid, however old I would have been when this came out, where I, I was a fan, that's I was embarrassed by that song, and that's not something that happened as a kid. I was never embarrassed by the songs being performed. I might feel weird if I found someone listening, found me listening sure. to something that maybe I wasn't supposed to be, but. It was just an embarrassing song. And I feel like something happens with side two of this. Not that I know them as well as as I think you do, but I feel like something happened between four and this where they weren't sure of themselves. They tried something new and it was amazing and good for them. And let the the band play. Huey Lewis takes a backseat to the band on that first album. But then something happened in the second... Half, and again, I didn't have this album going growing up, but a couple years later, when Hard at Play, which is the last of the albums we listened to, came out, like I rushed out and bought that. I remember hearing it's a return to form or something like that. Right, exactly. That exactly. album, I feel like they have fallen by that album. That Hard at Play, maybe it's just because I was listening to these one after another in a row, by that album, both as a listener and I think the band on the album, Exhaustion has kind of set in like I just feel like it's not a catchy album it's not anything new and it's not familiar like the last couple albums they are familiar but in a comforting way this just felt like pale imitations to me anyways felt like pale imitations of something reaching back to try to do something
1: Yeah, and again it's like I wasn't there I'm not in their heads but I I can hear exactly what you're saying for instance like for Small World you almost get the, the sense that some record producer jumped in after hearing the, the opening of the album and was like, no, 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 we need some, some Huey Lewis stuff. We need some love songs that are more straightforward. (laughs) And so they kind of just bang some things out perhaps. Um, and I think, I don't know if it was the record company or the band themselves, but to talk about this being a pale version of themselves, it's also like they're, they're hidden all the, the hits that they had on the previous albums you know, they've got the, the love songs that are pretty straightforward. But then they've got Couple Days Off, which is their new Working for a Living, which was a, a moderate- Not a bad ant- song. It's, it's a pretty, I it's my favorite song on this album, for sure. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like Couple Days Off. And again, Couple Days Off is another one of those songs that if it just, and it has happened to me, where I remember I was leaving work here just a couple years ago had my headphones on. I was riding my bike home and it was literally my last day before vacation. We get it. You're in shape. No, no, no. But it was literally my last day before vacation. And this song came on and I felt so good. It was the fact that I was leaving work for a week, but this song just makes you feel so good. Then the band as a whole makes me feel good, but it feels like, yeah, they're trying to hit the, hit the same uh, beats that they hit on previous albums. So you got a couple days off, um, you've got your love songs. You've got some some stompers in there with like "Don't Look Back," and then they even <laughs> end. You know, sports ends with a countrified pop song, and this ends with a countrified pop song. So it's like they're trying to. Is it remind, time is
0: money, is it? That song. Yeah,
1: time ain't money. Is what closes out that. Ain't disc. money.
0: Sorry, my grammar was my <laughs> grammar was right. Time is not money. Yeah. <laughs> So, and it's not, I I feel like this is their farewell, farewell album. Have they had an album of original material since that? Yes, they have. They, they put out, I can't remember the year. I wrote it
1: down on the notes that I can't find. Um, But they came out with a, with an album called, of all things, Plan B, Um, which, (laughs) which is, I think it's a decent album. It is very much.
0: Is that this century? Is that it was two thousand something? The yeah, 90s? two
1: thousand three or okay. four, I think. Um, and it's decent. It's it's exact. It sounds more like um, hard at play than the earlier stuff. Um, yeah. But it's just more. It's it's where they settle into their adult contemporary vibe and and play fun, light,
0: straightforward pop rock. I was curious what you were going to call it, because it's not rock and roll. Hard at play is not rock and roll. No, I wouldn't call that rock and roll. The way sports and even parts of 4 are. And it's not New Wave either. It's, I guess, yeah, something. they aged quickly. I mean, I know it's 10 years. I know we're talking 10 years of the 80s of their career from 80 to hard at play is 91. Is that yes. correct? So that should be a, a wide span of time, but... There are plenty of bands, plenty of musicians, and maybe it's because, and this might be why, but there are plenty of bands, musicians, who have their swath of work for 10 years, 15 years, and they keep producing solid work. They don't get old. They might change. They might evolve or whatever, but they, they they continue doing it. Tom Waits, David Bowie, The Pretenders, they all keep going. I, I wonder with Huey Lewis, and you can speak to this more than me, I think, because I think you're you're more ingrained, because it happened while you were listening to it, like maybe not the first album, but like you were listening to sports when sports came out, correct? And listening to four and listening to these albums as each one progressively came out to be 15 and to think this band is now adult to be 15 and think, Oh, this band's at their midlife. They're changing. That doesn't resonate with me at 15. I mean, I got into fucking Aerosmiths, sadly, you know, in 1987 when they were turning 40 and they had their big comeback. And to me, that was rock and roll. It was the second phase of their career, but I didn't think of them as 40-year-olds. I just thought of them as a rock band. Maybe there's something in your teens and in my teens at the age... Of following this band, that that you can only grow so far as a teenager with a band, and if the band is changing, and while I think it's for the worse with what happened at Hard at Play, if they have found something they're comfortable with and move into, and you're not at at that level, I mean, what are you gonna do? You abandon them, right? You just don't, you don't. I mean, you kept up with them though, right? You kept getting, you have all of their albums. Yeah, but I mean. I mean I'm a completist anyway.
1: So mm-hmm. I you know I had to have their album. It's I don't throw plan B on the old style uh turntable uh all that often. Um in fact I've really only heard a couple songs during these past few days because uh, I've been listening to a lot of this on my computer and on my my iPod. And so those songs are there. Um so I have it. I enjoy it for what it is. Um but I don't know if, if I wasn't if that part of me wasn't already ingrained as as being the person who has to if I've if I've got eight of the albums I should have the ninth as well, you know.
0: So would you say that this was the Huey Lewis in the news, would that be the first band that you ever got Absolutely. into? Absolutely. Yes. And and would you still, when, you, when you're when you talking music with people, and obviously we just did for the length that we did, but like if you're in, in a conversation with people at work or at a bar or something talking about bands, does Huey Lewis in the News come up? I don't know that it does. I mean, if people ask me what kind of music do I like,
1: I'll probably, if I don't know them, if this is an early conversation with them, I probably will highlight some more modern bands that, that are just sort of... Um, you know, in in the, the the populace right now, that people would know of, um, not that they wouldn't know of Huey Lewis in the news, but they're just they're not doing anything new. Um, but you know, if I got to know them more, I'd make them a mixtape of Huey Lewis in the news, <laughs> just
0: just Huey Lewis in the news. And then I would keep that mixtape <laughs> upon their return. Um, outside of this episode and prepping for this episode, do you listen to Huey Lewis on a regular basis?
1: Um, I don't listen to much of anything on a regular basis except, well, the two things, like I'll listen to stuff on Shuffle and Huey Lewis Mm -hmm. and all of their albums are on there. So um, they're bound to pop up. Um, But um, I've mentioned it before. I've been kind of doing this blog of mixtapes where I've actually gone back and I'm listening through mixtapes. And so that right now is all I've been listening to. I have a tape deck in my car. So driving to and from work, I'll listen to those tapes. And a lot of them do have Huey Lewis and the News on them. So I'll hear it then. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's not like we're, we're around the house and it's like, oh, let's put some music on. It's always on shuffle. So Huey Lewis and the News will mm-hmm. come up. But it's not like, let's just listen to Huey Lewis and the News. So this was fun to do this week.
0: Yeah, no, I enjoyed it too. I mean, I don't. I do, I mean, I listen to them sporadically anyways. I have some 80s playlists that I've put together, and Do You Believe in Love is on those, Power of Love, Um, I I Think I Want a New Drug. Those songs do show up on it. I don't think I'll go back and listen to a full album again, but I will say listening to these for today's episode um, definitely brought me back specifically to the year. I very vividly remember 1986 and with 4 and having a cassette of 4 and listening to that all the way through. So, yeah. it it was it was nice to to go back to it was nice to hear your take on it i have uh i've always had respect for the band but i have a little more respect for them outside of i place them as a band of the 80s and that's what i like of them you seem to have a far deeper connection and to hear you talk about it reminded me that i had a version of that so yeah they're they they were good yeah absolutely absolutely i hope you i hope you play us out with some bobo tempo well, I don't foresee that coming cuz I don't know <laughs> what the fuck that is, but fourth track off of Small World, Tim. Okay, then I did <laughs> hear it. Um thank you as an audience for hearing us. Uh as always, I'm going to say check out 20popcast.com. That's the website for this uh, this podcast. It has this episode and past episodes on it. It also has links so you can subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and hopefully, I'm working on it. Hopefully, by the time this episode airs, you'll also be able to subscribe to us on Google Play, which probably works better for people with Android phones. Um, you can like us on Facebook at 20pop. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at subcultist. I tend to post a lot of pictures in relation to the upcoming episodes a a week in advance and you can always follow me on twitter at subcultist that's that that's one of the better ways to support me and the last thing i'll say this is an actual plug um, if you're in the cambridge area boston area whatever coming up in may uh may 11th so it's a couple weeks from now I'm part of a film festival called the Digipendant Film Festival. It's playing in Inman Square at a place called the Lily Pad. I'll be showing two shorts from an upcoming web series I'm putting together called Nevermind Gaming and Noose. There'll be three other filmmakers there showing their work, so please check it out. It's five bucks to get in. It supports some local digital artists. Visit uh, you know visit my uh, website substituteculture.com. There's information on it right there for that.
1: Yes, uh, you can follow me at on Twitter at RH Canning and um, you can check out that uh, blog that I've talked about here at the end um, it's uh, superultramegamix.wordpress.com where I talk about my old mixtapes and there's a lot more songs on there, a lot more bands than just Huey Lewis, but you'll hear some of that too.
0: I'm going to I'm going to plug that again too because yes i've recently finally gone back and read a lot of uh the website and for me there's a lot of it is this podcast there's a lot of nostalgia too it's tied into each song but you're also a good writer about uh music and it's i don't know it's a nice way to revisit both the bands and that period of time so yes please check that out as well Oh, you're welcome, Bob. Um, th- but yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for making it through uh, harmonicas, horns, and uh, I don't know, I think a lot of unironic shrugging at the camera. It's good today. time music, Tim. Good time. Uh, it's pretty good time. Yeah. Catchphrase.